Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help or if you need prayer of any kind, you can text the keyword, I need help to 31996. Or if you give your life to the Lord, we would love to know. You can text the keyword, I said yes, to that same number, 31996. Someone from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. How are you guys all doing here? I'm gonna take that as a good. How are y'all doing there online? Again, all my fellas are in your underwear there. Father's Day, drinking your coffee. I'd be doing the same. I actually started to, well, not be up here in my underwear. I started to come up here in shorts, though, and a hat on backwards and have them put a couch up just to go, I get it. You know what I'm saying? You're looking right there, Randy. Happy Father's Day to you. And a happy Father's Day to all, all my fellas out there. So just uh, before we get going here, uh, I want to make a quick announcement here. So we continue to move forward in our services and how we're opening up and starting next week. So a little change for next week. The first service, the 9 a.m., will be a restricted service exactly like this one and exactly like it was this morning. So reservations, distancing, mask if you prefer, seats, all that. However, the second service, there will be no lifeguard on duty. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, we, the survey that we took that you guys were so gracious to, to fill out showed that uh, 75% of you said, hey, I'll, I'll just take the risk myself. If you open the doors, we'll come and pack in as tight and just we'll take the risk ourselves. So it's the second service, we're going to just trust you to self-govern. If you want to hug, then you hug. If you don't want to be hugged, you know what I'm saying? We, we're, we're getting used to now all the signals like, hey, or hey, or... <laughs> And so it's a whole new worldly language that we've all learned. So uh, if you have any concerns whatsoever, now let me say something about the second service. We're going to open children's, both the nursery and the children's church, all right? Everybody watching me. However, the only only restriction is this. We are going to take all kids' temperatures up through junior high. And if your child registers a temperature, then they won't be able to participate, which will mean you would really need to go home or Stick the poor thing in the car while it's hot out there while you're in here for service. I uh, wouldn't recommend that, but it's your call. You get to self-govern on the second service. Uh, having said that, so that's the only thing that'll be different. So I would encourage, take, take your children's temperature if you have any concerns whatsoever. And again, so we'll come to you online just like we are. We'll always bring church into your living room. First service, it'll be restricted, mask, distancing, registration. But starting next week, the 11 a.m., no lifeguard on duty, uh, come at your own risk, and you're telling me, Pastor, I hold you, I, I don't hold you liable, all right? So no suits. Uh, okay, hallelujah. Well, how about Dallas uh, last week? Pastor Dallas did such a great job. Can we honor Pastor Dallas? I cannot figure out how he gets so much said in so little time. I was watching, we were driving home from Dallas, and I'm watching, and it's turning. He's finished, and the worship team's doing it, and it's one hour, and I'm thinking, Man, he's putting pressure on me because he gets so much said, and I, I just have a, I'm, I'm still working on it. 
Uh, uh, and as well, I want to give a, a bit of a shout out to, we've had uh, over a hundred people, I'm sure, uh, maybe 200, but we've got about, about 30 volunteers every Tuesday and another 30 every, uh, every Thursday for the last five weeks that have been unloading semi trucks of nearly 900 boxes of food on Tuesday. We deliver that food on Thursday, uh, with a car line of just feeding folks that have been in, uh, that, that are in need of food. And uh, I'm telling you, all of you that have come out in the, in the heat and just been so excited, and it's been so wonderful to watch our church feed so many people. We've got one more week this week, and there may be some more things to come we'll be announcing as we uh, get information uh, from this program. But can we give those folks, can we honor all of those precious folks that are doing a great, great work, doing a great work. And uh, what, you, what you're seeing me doing, by the way, I just want to, because it's Father's Day, there's just a kind of a... A, a senior father in the house, and many of you would look to Pastor Reggie. Pastor Reggie, not only a father to his own children, Pastor Reggie's a father to a bunch of a bunch of y'all strays, a bunch of us strays that uh, just kind of wander in that he just adopts. And I've watched just young couple after young couple come in to uh, him and uh, him just father them. So I really want to just on a Father's Day, I want to honor a real father uh, among us, Pastor Reggie Beasley. Seriously. So what I'm demonstrating for you, and it's, it's not simply for act, that's all sincere. Uh, how many of you know that having raised Pastor Dallas, uh, knowing his gifts, I might also know a few flaws? I mean, just maybe, uh, just having watched him when he was a child, we called him Naked Man because uh, he had a thing about dropping his diaper and just taking off running and... Uh, we would be walking through somewhere and see that diaper and go, oh my God, our child is naked running somewhere. And we never did figure it out. We, we, we bound and loosened and prayed and did everything we knew to do. But anyway, that's the very least of your worries. But anyway, I, I, with all of my sons, I could honor them and I do honor them. And at the same time, uh, I, I, could, I could also pick out things that uh, are, are flaws. And uh, some of what I want to talk to you today on this Father's Day is that, uh, and, and I want to talk to all of my fathers there, as we, we approach this Father's Day, I know Pastor Reggie, really, we, we've known each other well now for some time, and, and I have confessed and asked for prayer, and he knows all kinds of things about me that you probably don't need to know, and uh, vice versa. And any time that we choose to honor, now today's Father's Day, and we're honoring fathers, and there seems to be, a, a, when, when we start to honor, and especially men, and I'm going to get to this, but when we start, start, when we start to, to honor men, there seems to be a pressure to say, yes, they're good, but, like there needs to be a need to balance it out. I heard a message one time called, move your big butt. And uh, I never did know why everybody was laughing. But anyway, uh, so, uh, but, and, but and it had to do with this kind of thing right here, to be able to say we honor and at the same time, we're very cognizant that these are, these are plain old human beings. As we enter this Father's Day, uh, I, I felt, and, and fellas, I just want to let you know, some of you are bracing because Father's Day sometimes is you, you, you get beat up. Man, I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. I'm here to try to encourage you uh, to let you know that there is a very biblical, a biblical uh, biblically clear uh, attack on men, on male leadership, and on fathers. 
And uh, if you want to kind of see the, you know, how, how, how things kind of work here, just go ask Hallmark where they make the most money, be it Father's Day or Mother's Day. And uh, over the years now, and so let, let me kind of set this up. There has been, uh, let me just back it up and say, th- there was a legitimate time in this nation when women were absolutely oppressed. They were oppressed, uh, not allowed to vote, treated like cattle, not paid the same salaries. That, that's very legitimate. And over the years, there has been a a correcting so that, you know, women of equal productivity get equal pay and uh, women are honored. And uh, over the years, though, there is a a cultural or a societal uh, temptation, and that is that those who have lived oppressed when they are empowered actually become the oppressors. If, uh, and, I'm, I'm, and I got about the same uh, amens in the first service, but this is important because my fellas, I need to, we need to understand something. You have a legitimate sense of pressure against you and you're not, you're not imagining that. This is real. And over the last about 50 years, you'd be hard pressed, anybody in this room, you'd be hard pressed to find a sitcom or a movie or anything that presents a, 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 a husband or a father as anything more than just a buffoon. That is not by accident. The scriptures teach us this, that in the last days, the last part of Malachi 4, and I don't think I prepped it for you, and I got caught in this trap in the first service too, but I'm out here now. Uh, I think it's important. I think it's important that we understand the day we're standing in. That um, in in Malachi 4, uh, God prophesies, and he says this, the last days, I'm gonna send forth, and it says it this way in Malachi 4, I'll send forth the spirit of Elijah, or not the spirit, I'll send forth Elijah is how it says it, and I'll restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest I come and curse the land with a curse. Then you jump to uh, Luke chapter 17, and we see it repeated, and it's a little more clear in Luke 17. And it says that John the Baptist, this is the the angel speaking to Zacharias and uh, to Elizabeth, and he says, you're gonna have a son, you're gonna name him John, and he's gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth, and he is going to act in the spirit, everybody say spirit, in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's not Elijah. He's coming in the spirit and the power of. Why is he in the spirit and the power of? Because from birth, he's filled with the same spirit that would come on Elijah. We're really talking about God, the Holy Spirit, and a work of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that he does is he comes into our hearts, and Paul talks of the Holy Spirit twice, and he says this, God has deposited his spirit inside of you, crying, Abba, Father restoring you to father. You're tracking with me. When the scripture says that if you don't, and I'm gonna say it this way, if you don't cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit to restore the hearts of fathers to children and children to father, uh, he's not necessarily saying I will actively curse the land. Basically what he's saying is the blessing that comes when you do what I say when you obey me, the blessing that becomes available to that soil that prepares itself with what it is we're called to do, and that is honor, that blessing won't arrive and you will live under a curse. We've spent the last 50 years cursing this land. We have been removing 
honor to men and to fathers. And I know right now, even as I say that, uh, some, some of you ladies, you, you, could, you'll get a, you could get offended because the truth is you've been trained to think if I compliment men that I'm disparaging you. You can do both. You can honor women and honor mothers and honor wives. That does not mean that, that men have to be dishonored in order to lift women. That's the thinking that we bought into. And for 50 years, we've not only been honoring women and lifting up, if you will, woman power, we have been illegitimately dishonoring men and men. There's men out here right now that are fighting for oxygen to just live and be masculine and be a man. And, uh, and because of that, we've got men in this room that uh, when you kind of look at the current rules of manhood and being a father, you kind of discount yourself and say, man, I'm, I'm losing at this game. Well, so I've come to say, hey, I think there's another angle on this. And I've also come to talk to good Christian people to say, stop cooperating with the curse. Stop cooperating in a society. I mean, if you want to know, if you want to see the curse, go turn your news on this afternoon and look at our land. You want to see what the curse looks like? It looks like broken windows. It looks like folks out of control. That's because there's, there's no credible father voice in this land that could get up to a microphone and say, hey, stop this nonsense and behave. A father can do that. I'm going to tell you, my daddy could do My dad didn't have to speak. He would raise one eyebrow and everybody in the house would shake. He was a credible source of authority. And we all knew, don't, don't make him speak because we know what happens quick. My dad was quick to punch. I'm just saying, he, he, he was quick to discipline. We don't have a credible father's voice. We don't respect and honor authority. We've done it to ourselves, and it was predicted in the scripture. Now, you think we can vote ourselves out, and, and I think there, there, maybe there's some laws we can pass and there's some things that we can do. The real issue of this nation right now that you're watching fall completely apart is that we have dismissed the honor that God says, if you'll honor and put these things in place, it, and it's, this doesn't mean diminish women. It means both together in a home, this is your, this is your best opportunity. And there's a, a, a vacuum of fatherhood in our nation. And where there is fatherhood, there's enormous opposition to them leading. And I'm here to say, if we'll return to God's order, the blessing of God will come. If we do not, the curse will continue. Okay, now I can't say it any clearer than that. What's blessing and cursing? Sounds kind of witchy, Pastor. It's, not, it's really not. This land was cursed. Everything that we set back in order, when Jesus Christ died, he broke the curse. Doesn't that mean everything got put back in order? No, it doesn't. It means the opportunity for it to get set back in order and you having the authority to set it back in order, that becomes available to us. But if you don't impose the kingdom value and culture in your home, the curse rules. And if you are participating in disparaging your dad, your husband, or your wife, if you continue, the reason I said this about my son, that I could find something equally uh, you know, negative that I could speak over him or Pastor Reggie. Stacy and I, we've been married for 32 or 42 years. We've been married a long time, haven't we? A long, but I, I can just tell you, she could tell you things about me that would, you'd all leave the church, you'd be gone forever. You'd think, that's not godly at all. You know what she does? She covers me. It doesn't mean she's not aware of it. 
a part of what honor is, let me, let me uh, come out here, so let me just say it this way. Uh, one, of the, one of the fathers that's referenced by God throughout all of Israel, he says, look, guys, remember your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. Do you remember Jacob? He was a scoundrel. He stole his brother's birthright. His name means deceiver. He was always messing with people and stealing stuff, and he deceived his father, stole the birthright. Well, years went past, and Jacob, God met him and wrestled with him, all that great story there in Genesis. And it says God changed his name to Israel. Well, Israel means prince. In other words, this is, this is, this is the king's son. Jacob lived with both, if you will, he was both Jacob and Israel at the same time. Stay with me, stay with me. Romans chapter seven, Paul says we've got two natures. With part of me, I wanna please God and I keep messing up. Why do I keep doing that? With my heart, I wanna please God, but with my activity, I keep falling short. Oh, wretched man that I am. What's he saying? And I'm saying this to every one of you, 100% of everybody in this room, living inside of you right now, there is a Jacob and there is an Israel if you've been born again. There's a part of you that is selfish. Uh, Romans chapter uh, 23, uh, 3.23 says, all have sinned and currently come short of the perfect standard of God. Every one of y'all got nastiness. I may not know it, but give me five minutes and, and I'll give you five minutes. We'll both know one another's nastiness. Now here's, here's my point. You create a curse in your home and the reason that what we're doing today is not just some, oh, the president said we should have Father's Day and it was passed into Congress and blah, 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 whatever, many years ago. This is about obeying, this is no small thing that we honor, not just fathers, but that we restore honor to our homes. And honor means, God, what is your order? And here's the deal. I can either call attention to your Jacob or I can call attention to your Israel. There's both available to me. There's an enormous pastime sport that we have all participated in in this nation and it's created the curse. We think it's just jolly good fun to point at everyone's Jacob. We think it's a big deal. We like finding flaws. And there are marriages in this room right now that are cursed. You're wondering why you are miserable. You keep trying to beat your poor husband to death by pointing out what's wrong. Why can't he see it? You're killing him. You're killing him. Uh, wives, there's wives in here that are beat up by your husband because you know he's thinking about what flaws you have. When you get that going in a marriage, say, now I've had these seasons. You can't be married 32 years without getting at odds with each other. I have found myself driving around, running my case, going, she just do this, she do that, she did this, and she said that, and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I catch myself because I realize what I'm doing when I am getting aligned with hunting for her flaws, I'm aligning with the deceiver. I'm bringing a curse on my home. I'm, I am rejecting and nastying up the soil that God will bless. And I'm basically saying to God, God, I oppose your blessing. I'll take the curse. And if you live marriage like that too long, you'll both just die. You'll either divorce or you'll stay together and die miserable, wonder, and both blaming the other if they would just do this. And here's the truth. God, there's, there's God in every person, and if you'll start to look for it, your marriage and the atmosphere of your marriage, your home, honor is about looking for 
what God, the activity of God in another person and point at it, speak to it. I see God in you. These are the gifts of God I see in you. Some of you tonight, tonight before you go to sleep ought to grab the hand of your wife or your husband and say, you know what? We've lived in this curse long enough. I'm getting to understand why our finances aren't blessed, why I spend most of my time angry at you. I walk in this house just waiting for the next criticism, and I know you walk in this house. How many of you understand when you start, I mean, all of your life, it's about what you're hunting for. That's what's in the air. You can walk in a house and not get criticized, but if you know that's what they're thinking about, you know it's just been created in the culture that I'm hunting for what's wrong with you, you cannot even speak but still feel that paranoia like, it's coming, it's coming, I know they're thinking it. It's because you've created the culture of a curse in your home, and you're hunting for it. Gang, this takes deliberate stuff. If you watch TV, all, all the news you're gonna get is bad, why? That's our country is obsessed with hunting for every flaw, everything we can find wrong. Jesus isn't gonna run for president, so I promise you, it doesn't matter who we elect, there's gonna be lots of flaws to point out. And it'll be entertainment forever because we're feeding it. I'm telling you, we've got to come with the kingdom culture. And I'm gonna show you here in a second, God isn't on the hunt for what's wrong with you. I, I can't wait to get to heaven. I mean, I have to wait. Uh, not, uh, let me take that back. I'm not in a hurry like today. I don't want to see a bear out there when I come and go, you said. But here's one of the things, because I have this constant fight on my inside about what he thinks about me. Because a part of me, I, I, I know. I know in my head, the scripture says he loves me, he accepts me. But I also have this other nature that I think, man, how, how much do I disappoint you? And are you really, do you really love and accept me? I, when I get to heaven, I think this, I think I wanna see the Father's face and I can't wait to hear him say, man, I love you. You're accepted and you're safe now. You're safe. What I wanted you to do and what I still want you to do is take this culture of safety. Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I've empowered you to bring the kingdom of God into your home. Don't let the, the culture of hunting for flaws, don't let that infection get in and pollute your home because if you do, it'll curse you. And what I, the only difference between blessing and cursing, blessing just means this, what God wanted to do in you and through you and for you, we pollute the soil and it opposes him, okay? What God wants to do in you, through you and for you is more than you could ever think or imagine according to the scripture. He wants to bless you more than you can even imagine being blessed but we've polluted the atmosphere with dishonor of one another. Now this, this, I don't even know how I'm gonna get back to my message, but I think this is so important that we hear the, what the atmosphere we're working in and why I'm taking some time to say, men, the opposition that you have felt, we have been criticized on every single side. And that's why you feel like you're gasping for oxygen and losing confidence because when I get praised, Man, my confidence shoots through the roof. When you criticize me, I take a step back. And here's the thing, ladies, you gotta know how we're built. We're made in the image of God to respond to praise. Like God is drawn to praise, men are drawn to praise. We'll come back home. We are repelled by criticism. Criticism is faith in the devil's plan for your wife or your husband. You're just stating in faith that God is not at work in them. That's really what criticism is. 
Honoring is speaking in faith, God's at work in you. You gotta figure out where you're gonna align. And listen, if you're waiting for your house to change, waiting on the world to change, if you're waiting, you're gonna die miserable. You have to take some, listen, the scripture says this, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. What is that saying? That means we as believers who know what the kingdom is, we enforce it with violence. We're not just sitting around going, dear Lord, I just sure so hope you'd fix this. No, we understand what the scripture says. And if it says that the, the kingdom of the, of the, the kingdom culture is honor in heaven, then we say, doggone it, that's gonna be in my home. We're gonna honor each other. You get to complain. You get to say, hey, this is bothering me. I'm not saying you don't, but the, the atmosphere, my wife, I want my wife to think when I come in the house, I don't want her thinking, is he mad? Is he upset? Is it, man, I'm sick of that nastiness in the air. I want her to be thinking, I want, to, I want her to think I've been thinking of how and what God's doing in her life so that she's like, hey, baby. And I won't tell you the rest. <laughs> Homes can have that atmosphere, but over the last 50 years, we've really just bought into the culture and wholeheartedly to, to some degree participated. So blessing, cursing, honoring. Today we're here to honor fathers. And so you got, that's sermon number one and I only have a few minutes. So let me get this, get this done. Let's talk about, let me talk to my fellows for just a second here. All my young dads, old dads, I, I, wanna, I wanna say, uh, I've set that up to some degree because by the current rules of fatherhood, I, I don't score well. Um, my wife asked me what I thought about my dad and the, the other day we watched, um, how many of you saw That's My Dad? Stephen Curtis Chapman had a thing on TBN or something called That's My Dad. And it was these short interviews with these folks that man, just their dad said the right things and they were tender and they were loving and they spent time with and all, you know, checked all the boxes. And when she said, my dad's been gone for five years now. And when she said, what does that do to you? What, what are you thinking about your dad here coming up on Father's Day? I mean, where, where are you at? I just listened to all of this and I'd listened to, uh, I'd listened as well to a message earlier that said, uh, love from you dads. And it was, I mean, this guy was preaching it hard. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. And man, it was, it was like an old promise keepers message and this guy was pounding it and it's, and it's true. But I thought, you know what? By every measurement that I've heard, not only am I a poor dad, my dad's a poor dad. There might be some other guys that when you listen to, and, and, and I'm for those things, by the way. I mean, work on those things. But some of us aren't there yet. Some of us maybe started a little bit further back. And uh, this could be a day for a whole bunch of guilt and regret. And let's, let's pick up and learn how, what we can learn. But I believe what part of honor is is, 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 is not pointing at all the things we're not but looking at ourselves the way God looks at us. And I'll just tell you, I, 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 think, I, I think I got a little bit of a late start in, in what fathering was. My dad was raised up under the old school where you provide and protect. You do those two things and you're a good man. Well, the rules changed. He was raised in one school and then they changed how you grade things. Now you gotta know your feminine side and talk tender and do all kinds of things. And, and I think there's some things to be learned there. But let me, just, let me just say this. When I was 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, all my friends were 
you know, maybe 10 years old or up to 30 years old because when I was in the eighth grade, I started participating in a thing called Chi Alpha at Sam Houston State University. So a lot of my friend group was older than me. I was kind of younger. And so they start cranking out, they start getting married and cranking out these little vermin uh, earlier. And I say that now, don't, don't be offended. I think differently now. I'm telling you, as an 18, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, 21, 22, uh, my friends start having children and I would get invited over, and then when Stacey and I started dating, we'd get invited over to people's houses. But if you would have said, uh, Randy, are you excited about having children? I would have said, no. Who in their right mind would create one of these things? And because I'd go over to their houses, and uh, of course, being parents, they just doted over their children. I still hadn't got my be adult head screwed on good. You know, at 22, I'm sorry, you still are half junior higher and you're just somewhere in between. And, uh, you know, th these little creatures would be all sticky and all, and all this, and their parents would be going, oh, isn't he just darling? And, uh, oh, you made a boo-boo. And I'd be thinking, oh, my God, this kid could clear the mall. Go change his diaper. What is the deal? And, uh, but, and, they, and so being trying to acclimate to this, I thought, who would do this on purpose? And then we'd start dinner, and you know, as it would be, they would stick this little thing in a high chair beside me. You gotta know something. Pastor Randy does not do sticky. I don't do it. I don't do it. I wash my hands, and I've always been this way. Don't, anyway. So, man, they would put these little things right beside me, and they'd be going, oh, isn't that so cute? And they would dump a bunch of food, not even plates or forks, just dump it right there on the plate. And, uh, the, you know, the kid's going, oh, all manifesting. <laughs> and uh, they're going, oh, isn't that so cute or whatever? And they're going like this, and he's reaching out to touch and whatever. And I'd be going, oh, that's just darling. And I was lying, 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 I thought. And I'd lean down and tell that kid, hey, you listen to me, you little runt. <laughs> so help me, God, if you touch me with those nasty little tentacles, I will drop kick you like a football. <laughs> oh, what'd you say to him? I was just talking football with him. He's so good. <laughs> you got to know when you're in that age group and a child tries to out you, you revert to the same maturity level as the child. Because <laughs> the kid would say, he's being mean to me. And I go, yeah, I am not. He's trying to touch me. He's touching me. All of a sudden, we got a thing going. I'd say, look here, you little brat. I was raised on a prison. It'd be like a homecoming for me. Don't push me. I just could not figure out, why would you do this on purpose? And so the years trick, trickle on there. And uh, Stacy and I, we get married. And a year and a month after we're married, uh, we're sitting in the back room of somebody's house looking at a pregnancy test. And it says, guess what? And I'm thinking... I'm thinking, how could you do this? <laughs> what have you done? I mean, why would you do this to us? Because I just didn't think we're, I mean, it takes, and some of you are, 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 don't have children and some of you are, are, are young. Stay with me here. Uh, so, you know, with the first child, uh, first uh, pregnancy, by the way, you'll go to the hospital about four times on a false run because every, you know, you're just thinking, is it now? trying to do it right, and try to read the books. Guys, throw the books away. I'm just, just talk to an old person with some gray hair. Get your tips from there. The books will mess you up. That's your pastoral advice. No, that's terrible advice. Read the books. Uh, 
But she and I, we failed Lamaze class. We were kicked out. I mean, we were maybe the first people to fail Lamaze. So we get to, you know, March the following year. Stacy's in labor, real labor. And she has a tough labor. She's 10 or 12 hours of really, I don't know how long it was. It seemed like for, it was a long time trying to have uh, Tyler, our first child, had to have an emergency C-section. And uh, this, this, was the, this, this was when we first realized that Tyler uh, would always be looking for an unusual way out of things. And uh, that would be the first of many. And by the way, I can tell which ones of you are cesarean born. Because when I, when I conclude today, most of you will head for those doors. Cesareans are going to head that way. <laughs> Look for the side exit. But n- nonetheless, they will... They, they will Stacy back, and we're, I'm nervous. I'm thinking, what, what am I going to do? I, and uh, and every child I'd ever looked like just looked like an, a sticky alien. Uh, but I wasn't able to be in the in the room, so the nurses got him all cleaned up. And I think this was good for. I think God did that for me for the first one. Didn't see the the entry, uh, but. They clean him up, he's in a little blanket, got his little hat, and when I got to see Tyler the first time, you know, and they hand, they hand me this, I think Stacy was sedated and trying to recover. I just, I just looked, I mean, I felt like, man, I'm not the right person, this is a little thing and I could break it. But I'm looking at Tyler and I'm thinking, I, I just wanted to go outside and tell the whole world, you're welcome. After thousands of years of little ugly aliens being birthed, finally a beautiful baby's been born. Because <laughs> I just thought, oh, that is the prettiest, most beautiful. I mean, I look back at pictures of him even now at his baby pictures and go, that is the cutest kid ever. And immediately I just thought, oh my God. Sometimes I would be in our living room and I, I would just hold him and just trying to figure out, is this real? I mean, we're, this is ours? We did this? And this beautiful baby. And all my young fathers, listen to me. I made this mistake. I blinked. I blinked. And he was 20, heading to Austin. I blinked again. And little naked man, little Dallas... We were dropping him at East Texas Bible School, and I'm telling you, I, I grieved harder driving home from dropping him at college. I, man, I, I cried at least two hours solid, and then most of the other two hours trying to get back. It was awful. I blinked again, and we were dropping our, our baby, Brady, off in Birmingham. Man, it went by so fast. When I look back, and, and now, you know, Brady's bringing us a He's going to bring us a, a grandchild, so uh, we, get to, we get to do this again. But Stacy asking me what she asked me, when, when I started trying to figure out what fatherhood looked like, gang, and this would be if you, I don't, this, these aren't even really points, it's just me talking more this morning, either. But my reference point, the only reference point I had was my dad. That was my reference point. And by every current scorecard, uh, my dad missed most of my f- baseball, football, and basketball games. He missed most of them. Uh, my dad and I, I, I have yet to hear the words, I love you, I'm proud of you. 
strike two. Uh, he, he didn't give me the sex talk. I'm still traumatized. My older brother gave it to me. <laughs> Him and, you gotta remember, I was raised on a prison farm. I had inmates tell me things that no child, no adult should hear what I heard, much less so after tens of thousands of dollars in counseling and some drugs. I'm starting to think more clearly. You can't, I just, I could never repeat what these guys told me. Uh, my dad and I may have had five conversations that I, I can't even remember five conversations. My dad failed every single current test. Listen, that's my reference point. Fellas, I just want you to know, and, and, and I shouldn't tell you, read the books, you'll get better. But most everybody in here, your, your reference point, you fathered maybe a little better than your father fathered. That's your reference point. <clears throat> I found something in the scripture that, that was helpful to me. And, and I was thinking, isn't this a downer message? Actually, it's not. I'm wanting you to know there's nothing but just ordinary people that become fathers. And we can look at the current rules and just feel like, gosh, we failed horribly. I got, I got really great news. My dad was incredibly successful as a father. All three, my, 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 my sister's already in heaven. My brother and I have followed hard after God all of our life. I'm not saying, saying I love you and I'm proud of you and all those things. I am saying maybe a part of what honoring is, is you're looking for what God is doing and calling attention to it instead of waiting like a victim. And I, I wanna be careful how I say that. Some of you have been absolutely victimized by the way you were raised and I don't wanna diminish the pain of that. I do wanna say, you can find where God was active in your, in your father. There's ways to bring honor that may not be the obvious. He spent time with me, he wrote me cards, he took me everywhere and he spent, because I'm one of those guys. And I'm just thinking there might be some guys that today on Father's Day are feeling like, can we just get through this day? Because I don't know how I, how I did. I'm not sure. By the current scorecards, I mean, I, I didn't miss many games. Didn't miss very many games. I was there a lot. But as far as soft and long talks, and I was a lot like my dad. I want to show you something here, how God honors. And uh, perhaps this will be helpful to somebody. This is Second Chronicles 7. Spent a lot of times in Second Chronicles because of the COVID-19 thing. Second Chronicles is where Solomon uh, dedicates the temple and God comes and says, you know, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, will heal their land. My eyes will be attentive to this place forever. This is God speaking to Solomon about the temple, but it doesn't stop there. He says this, as for you, if you live in my presence as your father David lived, and this is what I want you to get, God tells Solomon, your reference point is your daddy, as David did. If you'll live in my presence as your father David lived, pure in heart and action, living the life I've set out for you, attentively obedient to my guidance and judgments, then I'll back your kingly rule over Israel. Make it, assure, uh, make it sure on a, on a sure foundation. The same covenant guarantee I gave to David, your father, I'm giving you, namely, you can count on always having a descendant on Israel's throne. Now, if you go through Kings, First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, easily you can find 20 times 
where God speaks to one of the kings. This would be a son or a grandson of David. And here's what he said. Because you walked in the way of your reference point, because you walked in the way of your father, David, I'm going to bless or do such and such. Or it says this, because you did not walk in the ways of your father, David, I'm going to do thus and such. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're Solomon and God comes to you and says, I want you to be just like your father, David, that's your reference point. Can anyone in here think of some, some reason to raise your hand and say, excuse me, sir, are, are, do you know what my dad did? This is Solomon. Uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, sir. Uh, do you know how I got here? Do you know that Solomon's name was chosen and that he was predicted by God to David well before he was ever born and before David ever had an affair with Bathsheba from which he would have Solomon? God not only knew what happened before, he knew it was going to happen well before it happened and he had already selected that Solomon this child who would come from David lusting after Bathsheba, killing her husband and having a child with the woman he committed adultery with, that that's the child that God would choose to, to come from David and follow the line of the tribe of Judah all the way to Jesus. David had lots of sons. Why choose Solomon when you got all these other sons that were from wives that were legitimate? This is a mess. The tabloids would go crazy, and yet God, knowing before it happened, and certainly knowing after it happened, says, hey, boy, now you listen to me. You follow after me the way your daddy did. Anybody else challenged by this information? Anybody getting a feel for what kind of God we have? David was a horrible father. He did so many things right. He did not father well. One of David's sons raped one of his daughters. And you know what David did? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So much so that Absalom just was seething with anger that his dad did nothing. So he kills, murders the brother that did the raping. You know what David did? Nothing. You think you got family issues. This is a dysfunctional family all the way around. Absalom ultimately seethed on the inside with hatred toward his dad for so long that he ultimately tried to kill his own father, slept with all of his father's concubines to disgrace his father and tried to take the kingdom away. You think you've got fathering issues. And yet, the God who knew the contents knew what was on the inside. I'm trying to teach you what honor looks like. God honored David. What does honor look like? If he was in current culture, there wouldn't be any talk of, of, of the godliness of David. It would be all about, here's the mess this guy, this guy, is a, he's a wreck. Adultery and murder and God's fully aware of all of it. And every king after that, he never mentions it. One time he says, oh, and that little dust up with Uriah. I mean, just a Now, now, as much as that might bother you, 
it is an enormous comfort to me because all of y'all got nastiness too. Every one of us all have sinned and currently come short of the glory of God. Everybody. And all of us are called to create honor among ourselves. Honor not meaning we're giving trophies and awards for something you hadn't accomplished. Honor meaning I'm calling attention to what God is doing and I'm detaching the flaws and sin from your identity. The way God honors is this. The scripture says this of you and me. It says we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of of his son, Jesus. You've been predestined. What does that mean? That means he, when you said yes to Jesus, he set your destiny immovable. You will be like Jesus, established, immovable, done. And then, even though you're here, you're going there, he isn't looking at how many times you fall while you're trying to get there. He honors you as having already arrived because he decreed this is who you are. And while you're on your way falling and sinning, and oh my gosh, you know why David was honored? Because he kept getting up. It says this, he had a heart after God. What does after mean? I'm trying to get to you. I'm running after. I'm going after He's not scoring your everyday failures and flaws and I got it wrong and he's not keeping record like we do of one another. That's called dishonoring. God covered David and his sin and his flaws. And if that's upsetting you, boy, that ought to tell you what's in your heart. He ought to be called on the carpet. You will be judged by the same way you judge Man, we are under, we have a God who's fully aware of our flaws and our sins, and yet he sent Jesus so that that is justly paid for. He's not just covering it up and going, uh, we won't talk about it. He paid for it. So that anytime we fail and we sin, he overpaid for it. In fact, he double paid for it. Don't have time to get into it. Anyway, you are more than paid for. You can't out the blood of Jesus, and that's not a license to go do it. I'm just saying, when he looks at you, He identifies you and speaks to you. Scripture says this, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're a co-heir of everything he owns. Do you feel like that? Well, heck no, because you're looking at what you did on Monday morning when you kicked the dog and cussed the cat and, you know, put a, you know, one-way sign out the window on the highway and all the things that you do. And everybody else is trying to score that way. Do you know what honor means? Mm -mm. God doesn't look at at the container He looks at the contents. And when you say yes to Jesus, something great gets deposited. I wanna tell you this about my dad. The reason that he has three children that follow hard after God isn't because he said, I love you, or went to all of our ball games. And again, those are good things. I'm just saying there's more than one way than the current scorecard to look at fathering. And some of you dads need to feel that the God of this world, he has covered, he's a covering. That's what honor is. I'm aware of your flaws and your nastiness. Come on. But that, I don't identify you that way. Dishonoring is identifying you by those flaws. Remember when the, the, the father and the prodigal son, do you remember the first thing he did when his nasty son, who, who spent all of his money sleeping with prostitutes and all kinds of things and dishonored him to the community, when the prodigal son came back with pig manure on him to this Jewish father, remember Jesus is telling this parable to a bunch of Jews. 
Deuteronomy says that if a son dishonors his father, the community of elders is to take him out and kill him for dishonoring his father. This is how big a deal it is to honor your father. It's bigger than we understand. But in the new, new covenant, God, Jesus gives this story and says this, the dishonored son came back and the first thing the father did is said, quick, get the robe, cover him, get the ring, give him back his authority, get the shoes, take the shame away. Slaves didn't wear shoes, sons wore shoes in, the, in that culture. Put the shoes back on him. The dad was a covering dad. You know what he was doing? Son, I know what you've done, but that's not who you are. I identify you by who I know you are. Your God honors you, and that's the culture that we're to bring into our homes. And today, as we approach dads, and some of you dads, and I've got one that would fail every test of the current standard, except this one. He followed hard after God, and he has three children that are following hard after God. Now, my sons are all gonna follow hard after God. They will. They will. Because I did. If they want, if they choose, they can find lots of flaws and things that I got wrong. When I, when I thought about my dad, and, and again, I'm bringing the plane down. I'm hoping you're getting something from this. When I thought about my dad, um, I got some insights. This, you know, a year ago, my mother's house burned to the ground. Uh, everything that he, my mom and dad had, had uh, accumulated, and uh, I got to tell you, there's a little bit of thank God. Uh, it's terrible for me to say it, but they had accumulated a whole lot of stuff. That uh, that's terrible for me to say. That's so selfish. Uh, but all that aside, it's traumatic for my mother. Uh, the house that they had lived in all those years burnt to the ground. Uh, I knew my dad had a safe deposit box, and I knew I was going to be responsible for working all the legal and all the stuff out. And here's what I was hoping, that my dad had put the deeds in that safe deposit box there in Beat Ice, Texas. And sure enough, uh, knowing, I know how my dad thinks. Every important thing to him, he thought to himself, if the house ever burns to the ground, these are the things that need to be in that safe deposit box. And just like you would think, the deeds, the titles, the cars, the insurance information, everything was there. And it's like, oh, thank God. And a surprise, this. My dad, now I, I gotta tell you something about Warden L.D. Harvey. Uh, Warden L.D. Harvey was a, was a, was a, a hard man. Uh, rarely saw him cry, didn't, never saw him cry except one time <clears throat> when we were growing up. Dad didn't speak. He was under a lot of pressure a, a lot of the time. Didn't talk to us a lot. He ruled with an iron fist. And listen, nobody got out of line in the Harvey house. Very different than today. Uh, I don't mean the Harvey house. I'm just saying, uh, he, again, he, he would have messed with all of our books when it came to discipline. But my dad had a soft side. And of all the things that he would preserve in that safe deposit box, I found this letter. It was very telling. This is a letter written in 1974 from his dad to him. And it was so important to him that it was along with everything else in that safe deposit box. 
In here, my grandfather speaks to my dad, and I want you to hear me. He never says the words, I love you, and I'm proud of you. But if you listened and read it closely, you would be able to honor my grandfather to say, my grandfather is telling my dad in his way, I love you, and I'm proud of you. Are y'all tracking with me? There's more than one way to say this. So my, my grandfather had done a bad business, business deal. His home was in jeopardy, and my dad gave, mom and dad gave him money to bail them out of a tight situation. My, my grandfather's writing him back, and he says this in the letter, I was never much of a father to you, and I never could give you anything. All of a sudden, I'm looking at my reference points, reference point. Everybody's dad in here had a dad, another reference point. When I begin to see his dad, and my grandfather's sweet guy, just wonderful guy, but from the old school. Does everybody understand what I mean by that? You provide, you protect, you discipline. After that, you're a good man if you do those things. Now the rules have changed where you need to get in touch with your feminine side and uh, you know, a lot of stuff that was just foreign to my father. When I saw my dad's reference point, my, my grandfather would say, you know, one of the relatives saw you on this show and saw your article in this voice. My dad led tremendous revivals when he was warden. There was tremendous work done in the prison that he was the warden of by all these big name ministers that were coming in there. And so he was getting interviewed on all the Christian TV programs and traveling, doing all kinds of stuff. Got, he bought a little plane and flew everywhere speaking. I mean, dad, was, dad wasn't home, but he was tearing it up for the kingdom. And I know some of you go, yeah, but he should have been spending time with you. Maybe so, but I will tell you this what was between him and his desire to please God, it's in me. So I spiked the football and say, if my kids can take it away, and apparently when God was speaking of David, he wasn't looking at for perfect behavior or perfect execution. He was going, because of what's in his heart, I expect it in all of his kids and his grandkids because that's what I'm measuring right there. My dad's dad in so many ways was saying, I, I do love you, and I am proud of you. And I found it so peculiar that my dad thought it so special to him that he put it in that box to say, this may be the most important thing he ever got from his father. When I look at my two reference points, here's what I can say. My dad improved in some ways, but his dad was a godly man. For many of you fathers that are kind of wishing this day would go on because you, all you can look at and all you've heard about is your mistakes. There's so much more to you. There's so much more to you. God, we know this from the scripture, it is God who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Here's what I know about my sons. They'll do better with my grandkids than I did with them. And uh, I know my sons will honor me. And I believe what honor means is what I believe it means. You don't spend your time hunting for how you could discredit your father because you, you, if, if you have a human father, and all of you do, it's not, a, it's not hard to do that, and it's a favorite pastime. This is a time when we need to act like God and cover our fathers. Doesn't mean okay their flaws and sins. It means we look at the activity of God and we identify them by that, and we call attention to that.
Gang, but I'm telling you, if you can start to move this into your marriages, your homes, and your dialogues, it's so counterculture. But this would, this would bring the kingdom of God culture into your home, and, and your behaviors would actually increase toward godliness if you begin to be each other's cheerleader and honor. That's what it is. And create the atmosphere we're going to honor in this home. To all of my dads, if our, our worship guys could come back, uh, to, to all of my, my dads, young and old out there, I want to, want to encourage you. Uh, look, there, God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And today, some of you don't feel like, you don't feel permission to receive honor because you're aware. Who's more aware of all of your flaws than you? I'm, a, I'm built very much the same way. I want you to know, I've, I felt like God when I was praying this morning said, Randy, receive it. You have permission to receive it. It's not a trophy. It's not you're the greatest man in the world. But you follow hard after God and your sons have picked it up. Receive it. Some of you men need to know you can receive honor even if you hadn't checked all the boxes. All right? One last thing. Scripture says of God, the Holy Spirit, Twice it says this, that, that God has put his spirit in us crying, crying, Abba Father or Daddy God. There's some folks that might be listening that you've never received Jesus and yet you recognize the orphan spirit that you walk in. I'm a little lost. Our whole nation right now is crying for a daddy. There is a, a, miss, a huge vacuum of fatherhood in some ways, we cooperated with the devil to diminish that. So we, the kingdom people, have to get the kingdom way back. But some of you have never received Jesus Christ as Savior. And yet there's something in you that's pulling on you. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you crying. If I have a daddy, come get me out of this orphanage. You feel lost. That's what the scripture calls somebody who's not been returned to God. Lost. To be returned, it's very simple. You already know the Holy Spirit's at work in you, so he's doing his part. You just simply say, I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I'd like everybody here, if y'all would go ahead and stand. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior and ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. And Father, I want to come home. I want to know my Father Take me home. I mean, go to heaven. I mean, let me back home. Jesus Christ came to restore us back to the Father. And so if you'll just pray that prayer, you pray it however you want to pray it. I'm not going to lead you in it. You just say, God, would you save me? Would you bring me home? Right now, you're being saved because the Holy Spirit's at work in you. I also want to say this. Begin to receive the blessing and speak the blessing of God. And let me say this to everybody here. As we conclude, when you honor, you are declaring blessing. You're opening and creating the soil so that God can bless. Join the kingdom in honoring. It will go well with you. If you'll be like your father, David, it will go well with you and you will prosper. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at The Crossing by liking us on Facebook following us on Instagram or subscribing to our YouTube channel. 
or you can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc.